Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Phil Tiger. Hello Slacker friends, welcome to episode 2 of this award winning podcast show A panel show uh, about music, it is a triumph of the human spirit People said they needed more music panel shows in the world I, I looked around, I couldn't find one So we decided, you know what, we'll go and make one If you're watching um, this on the YouTube channel Please drop the channel a like and subscribe. Uh, turn on your notifications and all that jazz. And if you're listening on your podcast app, then um, do do the same. You know, like, five stars, all the rest of it. And big up everybody on the Patreon as well. Everybody who is supporting all the content that we make here on Slacker. at Patreon.com forward slash the Slacker podcast. Um, for the price of, what is $3.99? What cost $3.99? For the price of one condom, you could support the, the, this podcast. So come over to the Patreon now and do as you will. Right, our Slacker friends this week are introducing first... It's a MIDI version of the Irish National Anthem for Mr. Maverick Sabre. Uh, it's the oh, same. Absolutely beautiful MIDI version. Did you put that together yourself? I did, yeah, yeah. Are you impressed? Like, can I make some beats for you, do you reckon? I think I might need to bring you on tour. Just give you a little bit <laughs> of bag next to it. Um, I, this is the second time I've used this in three episodes because um, Mayke from uh, Other Voices and The Galaxy was on. And I was just like, do you know what? Maverick's on. Anybody who's Irish does. Against <laughs> the national anthem. Yes. We have Irish superstar and all around best singer and songwriter in the whole wide world, Maverick Saber. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and pitting it up against Maverick Saber, we have got. Hold on, let's see if I can finish this. If it isn't YouTube's premier music reactor interviewer aficionado, John Denton, what's happening? What's happening? I like the intro music. It's good, isn't it? I was like, what? What? what, yeah, what? I feel a bit ripped off now. You just gave me some <laughs> shit. You just gave me some shitty MIDI version, something that sounds like you did on your Nokia thirty two ten. 
I was basically any of the music that I play has to be like rights free and something that won't get taken down off YouTube, right? So that's why I use the MIDI, and that's why I'm using like a live cover of Run the Jewels for for John. So like uh, the the moment that I can get the rights to be able to play everything, man, I'll I'll fucking play Kanye West. Uh, like, oh, do, fantastic! Do you know what? Exactly. I'll, what I'm looking for. I'll lay you in with some fine gigs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Slacker friends, welcome to uh, the podcast. Uh, how, how have you been? How how's things been going this week? Um, it's been good. Yeah, it's been good. I, I kind of I got back to studio sessions for the first time this week. Um, I was out in a studio in Bath called Real World, working on a a project with um Swindle. If you know Swindle, I know Great Swindle. Movie. Yeah. Um, and he was out there with loads of people: Loyal Counter, Koji Radical, Joy Crooks, Get Sakala. We were all out there just making music for the last week. So. Yeah, it's been nice. It's been a change from lockdown to not seeing fucking anyone and looking at four walls for the last two and a half months. Well, what, what was the, what was that like when you went out there and sort of hung about with that many people at, at the one time? Because I walked into a pub just to get to a studio upstairs in the pub yesterday, and I even just walking through it, I was a bit like, it was strange. I think you know what, everyone was in their own space, so you could feel that that change that happened in people's minds. That there is that level of separation still mm. needed amongst people and i think people feel that so there was that and the studio is it's quite a big space anyway so there was yeah but you did feel it It was strange being around a lot of people for the first day or two it was it was weird no snogging no snogging <laughs> no, no handshakes <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of elbows isn't it a lot of elbows yeah a lot of elbows and distance, distance see away. i don't feel love that bad because i was pretty big on the elbows generally anyway like around cold flu season at radio one i'd just be like going yeah how's it going boom, boom i think boom. that's the way forward to mm. be i think sweaty hands are a thing of the past i don't want to touch anyone's sweaty hand anymore you know? nah, nah. john how have you been getting on this week yeah my week wasn't as exciting as mavs to be honest i was in legoland uh monday <laughs> and tuesday that's pretty bloody exciting mate <laughs> It was pretty exciting because every every five minutes you'd see someone with a giant backpack full of disinfectant going around spraying everything. It made me feel like I was in like a post-apocalyptic video game or something. It was pretty unsettling, but we made the best of it for the kids. It was all right. If there's yeah. anywhere for you and your like two kids and wife to hunker down during an apocalypse, Legoland would be the best place, right? There's a lot of cover if you need it, so shit, it's fine. Shit loads of cover. So mm. so many like unperishable snacks that'll probably last for a couple of years. <laughs> Quite true. You can change your haircut every day as well. Yeah. <laughs> you can uh, put on like a nice curtains uh, one. Change your profession and your haircut every moment of the day. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, the, the aim of the game, I never really sort of um, set this out when I started it, whether it should be something that we sort of pit people against each other in terms of points. Um, so I think it's more of a sort of a friendly uh let's see who can get the best answer and at the end of it we're all winners until i decide to, to change it <laughs> so our, our, our first question liam gallagher drove a car a combine harvester to spy on the stone roses while they were making their second album <laughs> is that true yeah, there was a documentary about the 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 place in Wales that they uh, recorded their um, that recorded albums in because uh, it's up for sale at the minute. It was done on the BBC. Uh, Oasis recorded there, Stone Roses recorded there. Loads of people have recorded there. Um, and in the interview uh, on that piece, uh, Liam Gallagher was like, 
when the Stone Roses were making their second album around about the same time they were making their first. So he got in a combine harvester with Bonehead and went across the field and tried to spy on them. And I think the Stone Roses ended up inviting him into the house and they had um, a smoke of a joint and they played some of the album too. <laughs> but the, the, the question, uh, going to you, John, first is what is the furthest that you've gone to get someone's attention? So, yeah, I had to have a think about this because typically I don't want to get people's attention too much anyway. I'm quite happy just sitting in the corner and being quiet. You put, but, you, you put videos on YouTube, like, I know, on. but yeah, that's like, it, it, it's kind of... <laughs> I'm a complicated person, what can I say? But a long time ago, I used to be a big wrestling fan. I still kind of am, but especially back in the day. And uh, I went to a show in London um, with my mum and my little brother when I was I think maybe 18, 19, something like that. And Stone Cold Steve Austin was in the main event. And yes. being that I was a, yeah, I was I was a young but legally able to drink. So I'd had a few beers. I was maybe not really in the best frame of mind. And as Stone Cold came out from the ring after winning his match, I decided to go right up to the barrier and douse him with beer just to see if he'd get my attention. But I'm pretty sure that he just thought that I threw piss on him because he didn't look happy about it. But some wrestling nerds uh, shook my hand. They thought it was the best thing they'd ever seen. So I think it's got to be that. Was the was the beer that you threw on Stone Cold his? No, unfortunately not. And thinking about it, I think weirdly it was Corona, so you can't be throwing that around. <laughs> <laughs> I always like, I never really thought about like what, you know, Stone Cold would come out and he would drink all the beers and stuff. And he would yeah. drink about like, you know, the mini cans. He would drink about like six or seven of those mini cans. He'd get pretty stuck into it. He yeah. gets stuck into yeah. it. But then I thought, I, like, you know, the older you get when you start like drinking yourself, like when you're first watching it, you're about 12 or 13, so you're not. Um, it's it's like Miller Lite that he's drinking, which is about two percent piss anyway, and and he spills half of it down his face and his chest. You start to look back thinking he wasn't a hard bastard at all. Yeah. He must be lying to us this whole time. What? I, I could take him. I could take him easy. Boss, <laughs> if I had a machine gun, right, and he had a couple of cans of beer, it's I'm pretty sure I'd win. Bloody Guinness would be grand. <laughs> that one that one works. Um, I think I went to Insurrection. Um, and traveling over from Ireland as a pilgrimage to, to go and watch the wrestler. Uh, Mav, it's, like, we're all sort of of a similar vintage. Like, like that's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. You're, you're like, <laughs> were you like a wrestling fan as well? I was, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was like, I was the early days, though. Well, early days to myself. I'm, I'm a '90s baby, so I was like, um, I was like uh, Attitude Era. The Undertaker, yeah, the under, early Undertaker before Kane came around. Um, who else was in there? Probably, maybe it wasn't that early, and it was like the Hardy Boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was that kind of era? That's that's the yeah. same era as my own. Like I, I had to go to A and E twice because I loved Jeff Hardy so much. I used to like <laughs> do this. I used to do the Swanton Bomb. Off the, the top of things, <laughs> kids around the country, around the world, killing each other. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Halcyon days, salad days. Um, uh, Mav, what's the furthest you've ever gone to get someone's attention? Uh, do you know what? When you were saying that story, another thing came into my mind. But I'm going to use this one, and this was—it's not really. I've always been funny. I'm not really like a big fan of like you know going to meet people or trying to get other people's attention if it's not the right time. I've never really been a big fan of that, but years ago I went to see, um, I'd just been, I'd maybe like, I think I'd put my first album out. So it was around 2011, 2012. So it was about like 20, 21, something like that. And uh, and I'd gone to see Damien Marley and Naz at Wembley, 
right? And Erica Badu was supporting, and I'm a massive Erica Badu fan, yeah. And um, like a couple of weeks building up to that, I think she was signed to Motown at the time. And there was some talks with me and a couple of A&Rs at Motown and they were kind of like gassing me up, like, look, come to the gig, you babe, me, Erica, at the end of it. And I was thinking, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> Happy days, yeah. I had all these things I was going to say to her about all these songs I was inspired by. And blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I get there. I didn't think it was going to happen. Like John said, I ended up starting drinking got absolutely shit-faced. At the end of the gig, I got called in and they were like, yeah, do you want to meet Erica? At no. this point now, I could barely even speak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was not in good shape at all. And uh, so I was thinking, all right, they're going to pull me into a packed room. I'm going to quickly say hello. No one will notice that I'm that fucked up and I'll be able to quickly exit. <laughs> so I get taken by one of our security guards down this long hallway and I get put in this room. And it's just her in the room. Yeah. So I'm standing in there. Jesus. <laughs> and she turns around and she's got, she's quite intense, like in a lo lovely sense, but she's quite intense. And I was, I was kind of sat at the end of the room and she started talking to me and I just went quiet. I didn't know what to say. And I started fumbling me words. I wasn't, I wasn't speaking clear. I was drunk. I wasn't even making any sense. And the only thing I could say to her was like, she's talking, talking, talking to me. And I was just like, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, trying to compose myself. And the last thing I said, I probably thought I was like being mad artistic and art, you know, I was going to leave with a good impression. It didn't fucking at all. And I like opened the door, not saying anything to her at this point. She's still a bit like, who's this fucking fella coming in here? You're not making any sense. And I was like, I love window seat. Yeah. And all the love from all the people in Ireland to you. And then <laughs> closed the door and walked off. <laughs> And I was walking down the hall thinking, I think I've made a fairly good, good impression. Yeah, that's, that's, when I sobered up, oh, mate, I've never been so embarrassed in my life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that was uh, something that kind of backfired. That Again, is such, a, such an Irish thing to say when you're drunk. And all the love to the people of Ireland. <laughs> you go like 100% more patriotic and you think oh, that yeah. you're like Wait, oh, representing Jesus, Everyone down in Wexford absolutely loves you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, it was just it was an embarrassing one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty decent. Um, right, so moving us on to, to, to question two. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh, Walt Disney. Nike, Google. Do you know what bu bugs me about that quite clip? And I've heard that a million times because I remember when that went out on Radio 1 on St. Lowe's show, I was the show that was on next. So I clipped all of the mad bits that he said on the interview and just played them the whole way through the show over all of the songs, having conversations with them. But it's just the way he just goes, Walt Disney. And you think that that's the end of a sentence, <laughs> and, you're like, and he just keeps going. He's kind of a little cliff, cliff edge. Like. <laughs> the thing with Kanye is like, I mean, and we'll get to the question in a minute, but like most people who talk like that, what you would think that would are like, you know, there's something like, you know, they they might need mental help and uh, and whatever. But Kanye backs it up time after time with like the numbers and the amount. Like he said, he says he's important, but he fucking is important, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of the thing like, what's the, all right, look, I'm not the biggest fan of anyone that has to tell the world that they're greatest, but he's shown time and time again that he is as influential as he says. We go and listen to every record he drops. Every musician in the world is inspired by a certain element of what he's done. 
Um, and yeah, and I think he does. I think he's got a plan in place, and he does put back. And I think, but you know, he's not he's not infallible. He's made some you know humanly human mistakes, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Kanye to be honest, and I think the compa- people get offended when you start. What's the problem with comparing to Walt Disney? What's the problem to comparing to the influence of Nike uh, in a fashion sense? Because he, I think he's got a right to say that. You know. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think it's hard to agree with it when when he was saying it at the time and initially, but when you thought about it more, you were like, okay, right, this guy's. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't sound so crazy now hearing it now compared to when he said it in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, it feels like that there there could be a tide switch moment with with Kanye, like because there's only so like because like off the last like five years he's really like amped up like how manic he is on 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 Twitter and stuff. And I know he's had his own personal demons as well, but it he does do a lot of stuff like for PR, like like the like. And you're just wondering. He's a PR, he's a PR king. He's a PR well. guru. Like I mean, like you know, he's learned from the best, like the Kardashians. You know what I mean? Um, but like all the anti-vax stuff and some of the stuff he's coming out with now, and some of the stuff he said in the in the past, being a Trump supporter. There's only so lot far you can go with Kanye sometimes to to, to the point where it's going to be a u- universal breaking point. I think. Yeah, and you start to think like you, I, I suppose with someone that you admire musically, you give the chance to. Oh, I hope this is some long-term plan. You know, mm. maybe he's going to run for presidency in two years, and he's trying to get the Trump supporters on side. Or I don't know what the I don't know what uh, what's going on in his head. <laughs> but I think I think sadly a lot of people have maybe lost faith in him what? Um, over the last couple of years, which I can understand. Mm. You know, but yeah, I don't know if there's a longer, deeper plan in place, but. What, what do you what do you think, John? Before we get to the question, do you think Kanye Kanye West for president? Eh, I mean, it's a strange time in the world and in America at the moment. Anyway, um, Kanye coming out with the the song was it last week, two weeks ago, something like that, which is excellent. The video is very powerful, and and then it seemed like maybe it was this long con, like Mav was saying, um, he wasn't really a Trump supporter after all, and you know he was just doing it to get Kim into the White House to help with prison reform, all this sort of stuff. And then I read the Forbes interview yesterday. Um, I haven't read is, that yet, yeah. It's, it's pretty intense, yeah. <laughs> Anti-vax, uh, sort of, uh, you know, anti-abortion, a lot of, lot of stuff. His, his own views, but mm-hmm. uh, kind of a lot of manic stuff as well is going to... Um, to I think, I mean, I might be misquoting here, but he wants to turn the White House into Wakanda, something like that. It's, it's some, it's some, and his party's called the Birthday Party. That's the, the party he's running with. Oh, don't. Oh, so come on. Like, it was all looking pretty good up until the <laughs> birthday party. That's birthday right. Party. I actually, I realise yeah. I have read that. Yeah, and he was like going, it's called the Birthday Party because every day, if I get into office, every day is like your birthday. And I was like, oh, that's like... That's like the slogan somebody running for, like, head boy at a school would write. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Fuck's and sake, a bit of sixth form like, or something like that. You're a fucking rapper, man. Like, <laughs> come on. That's like the deadest slogan. Um, yeah. But then to say within American politics, to say you've had Donald Trump, who think years ago when he was, what was his show? Was it The Apprentice? The Apprentice, yeah. yeah. You think, you know, to see, to, to think when he was in that show running that, that, you know that fool would be in um, a, a position that he's in now. Is anything can happen? Yeah, it's so true. It's true. Um, so the question around Kanye is: What musician would actually make a good prime minister or president or, or sort of head of statesman or woman? Who wants go on, to John. go on, John? 
Um, so I went for a, a more serious answer on this one, and it's someone I've mentioned a minute ago, actually, um, Akala, uh, for Prime Minister anyway, just because obviously such an intelligent, well-read, well-spoken guy, um, very thoughtful, but also always looking at like both sides of a story, always able to back up everything that he says. And I mean, I don't know if he's interested in, in sort of ascending to a position of more power um, or if he's just happy being the kind of spokesman that, that he is right now. But in terms of influential people to listen to in this country, I mean, I always tend to to sort of try and understand what he's saying, uh, especially even in the last few weeks, just with, you know, something happens, flashpoints happen, and then, you know, it's very, very difficult to, to wrap your head around all the different media sources, all the biases and everything like that. So I just go and listen to what he has to say. And I, I can't remember ever hearing anything he had to say that I didn't agree with or at least uh, understand where he was coming from. And also I feel like I've learned a lot just from listening to him, even about the history of our own country, which is crazy because mm. obviously, I, I mean, I lived in England well, and uh, and Guernsey in, in Channel Islands, but same difference uh, my whole life and did history and everything like that. And so much of uh, what I learned in history is like erased from the actual history of, mm. of England that we've only learned recently. And Hey, don't get me a map started about uh, yeah. the, the, the <laughs> English history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so Akala just, I feel like it's a crazy position where where guys are ostensibly a rapper, although it's a bit um, dismissive just to, to call him that, can be one of the most sort of uh, thoughtful and intelligent speakers out there. And there's other people like Loki as well, but I think Loki might be a bit too extreme in his politics to actually work as a as a politician. Um, but yeah, Akala just seems that a little bit more measured, although with, with a similar thought process. So yeah, I was, I was trying to come up with a stupid answer for, for the fun panel, but I couldn't. So I just no, it's it a, uh, like uh, no, ser no. serious yeah. answers are welcome too. Yeah, yeah. I think it deserves it deserves a round of applause for an answer as good as that. Oh, yes. oh, that was that was a royalty free clap there, was it? That was a royalty free. <laughs> exactly. Nobody in that crowd who was clapping their hands is getting paid no, a fucking cent. I think that little that, that frequency of clap is mine actually. Might have to charge that. <laughs> it's on PRS one. PPL. Well, Mav, if you're if you're bored later on today, like you were at a writing camp, I'm sure you've still got that vibe about you. Maybe you could make me some like stings or like. Sing. A couple of skits for you. The Slack Friend Podcast. Um, see, this is why I don't do it. Uh, Mav, who who do you think um, would um, be, be a good prime minister, president, head of statesman, or woman? well, kind of like the names um, John mentioned there were, were kind of my shortlist. It was a Carla Loki, um, and then the one I went for was George the Poet um, for for exact exact same reason. Um, um, George, I think, grabs generational perspectives he grabs young people um and he grabs an older generation from what you can see from his music um to his you know many appearances on programs like question time and how well he um he uh i don't know yeah represents quite a balanced understanding educated view that i always find like you said with a cal and same with a cal and same with loki i always come away from whether i agree with everything um, I come away with an understanding or an agreeance, you know, a bit of information which I think we're lacking in bloody in, mm. in politicians at the moment. How many politicians do we hear speak and we come away thinking, do you know what, I don't agree but I understand or, or they've given me some new information to kind of digest. Um, and yeah, and I just think uh, everything that George has kind of been doing and what I know he's been doing on the ground, um, you know, um, behind the TV screens and on a daily basis, 
um, I think is is really powerful, and and I think his um, you know his vision is and has always been for change, and he's put that not just through his music, but you know through his voice and and change in that way. So yeah, I would I would I would agree, but then I would pick yeah. Um, I would pick George. I think like that's kind of summed it up quite well. Is like the person that like I would like to sort of follow into politics or follow their their, their creed or um, their view is somebody who can get on with both sides and somebody who can like not just completely and utterly entrench themselves into one side. Somebody who can just go right. I can see see the the merits of this. Like mm. let's let's actually look at this in a sort of fair and open and operative way. Yeah, and then and then if you've got someone who represents that, as long as they're truthful within that and they can give the reason why you might tie between both sides or agree with one over one uh, uh, over another at a certain point or another point, it's about being truthful. I think that's another thing which we're massively missing is, you know, you don't have to agree with everyone's point of view but or their policies, but be truthful about why you implement them. Be truthful about, you know, the decision making rather than kind of hiding the reasons behind everything. Great answer. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And it moves us on to this. You were in the parking lot earlier. That's how I know you. So, so like I've been asking people. <laughs> I've been asking people. Oh, by the way, points if you get if you get the clip of what it's from. You were in the parking lot earlier. That's how I know you. What TV show was that from? Play again. You were in the parking lot earlier. That's how I know you. The, it's it's Creed Batten from the from that. the American Office. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I should have believed in myself. I, I basically <laughs> should have, John. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, like that. Like I always think that everybody out there has a story of bumping into. Um, whether it's a mus- musician that they respect, a, a, an actor that they love, a zealous celebrity that's um, like accidentally pissed on them in the urinals, um, like everybody has that story, and so, and so far like we've had 
uh, Mike Juice last week talking about how he met Dave Grawl and held on to his arm while he was chatting to him and got called a weirdo by Dave <laughs> Grawl. Um, we had uh, May Kay on the first podcast talking about how uh, she met Spider from Coronation Street at three a.m. <laughs> so there's lots of good st- <laughs> there's lots of good stories in there, and I thought like I'd I'd be I'd be lost if I didn't uh, ask you guys yours. So. John, I'll, I'll I'll start with you. You can't use Stone Cold Steve Austin, by the way. No, that's fair. Well, I didn't meet him, so that doesn't count. But the thing is, but, like, you I bet you when you went back to the to, to like uni or whatever it was afterwards, you were just like, yeah, me and Stone Cold, big friends. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I talked it up quite a lot, to be honest. But yeah, I've had a few brush-ins with different musicians and celebrities, but one that always stands out. I was in um, well, my previous job was writing about video games, so sometimes we get taken on trips, and I was in New York um, with with Rockstar. And I was staying at a hotel, way nicer hotel than I should ever be staying in generally in New York. And I got in the lift from my room. I was hungover, tired, jet lagged. And in the lift was Jack White with um, his, I think, wife at the time. I can't remember her name now, the really tall lady. Anyway, I was kind of completely blown away by the fact that I was a big White Stripes fan anyway. And Jack White was like literally this far away from me in front of me. And I went to go and say something. And I opened my mouth and just no noises came out. So I just basically just open my mouth like that in front of him and oh. then realized what was going on so I just shut my mouth again and then just bowed my head and then he walked out the lift straight into a car and disappeared and that was it and I've never really forgotten about it but you know I don't oh. know if he remembers it but yeah it's it, it haunts me quite often oh god yeah I can, I can understand that what was there anything that when you were standing because when you're standing with somebody in the lift it's obviously quite a personal thing because you're mm-hmm. you're, you're in each other's grill um was there anything that jumped out at you about standing beside jack white he was really tall um which we kind of knew anyway but he's a lot taller than me and I'm, I'm six foot and his wife was taller than me and they just you know when you meet or see somebody of that level of fame and especially this was what probably a decade ago now so it was still when they were massive um i think it was just before one of the albums coming out it doesn't matter so they just had that glow you know that super real superstar glow where they don't even really look like human beings and then yeah just to get whisked off into this car and disappear into manhattan was pretty cool but yeah i just felt mortified at myself and i've never really forgotten about it you're just like they're hungover stinking of monster yeah, energy <laughs> <laughs> um, mav like i i know for a fact that you've pretty, you've met so many fucking people because like like a lot of people um seek you out as well like uh yeah. in, in terms of uh, musicians and 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 the like uh, well, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I had a balance on this because there was a there was a funny one, but it's not hilarious or anything. But then there was like a serious one. So, like the, I don't know. The funny one for me was, and it kind of like if you um, you can drop you can drop both, and I'll tell you which one I, I prefer. Uh, all right. So, I, <laughs> so yeah, like kind of going back to the first question a bit, like um, or like have you ever been starstruck or anything like that? There was a I've been friends with um Sid Owen for years. Um, he was Ricky from EastEnders. Mm. And um, how and did you make friends with him? Just randomly, we met. I can't remember where we met. We met in Mallorca. We met in Mallorca at um, Mallorca Rocks uh, when I was supporting. Who was I supporting? Was it Tiny? This was years ago. So this is but maybe 2010, something like that. Mm. And uh, we just got on, just got on mad. And um, and we were hanging around. We were going out a couple of nights. And when I, we got back, and he invited me to his birthday party. And so he came to collect me and we drove down to his birthday party. And obviously I'm not really thinking, I'm an EastEnders fan and I, I haven't watched EastEnders properly in the last couple of years. I, I 
haven't really kind of got into it of recent, but I used to be when I was mm. a kid, right? I was always playing in the house. Right? So um, I get to this party, it was in Camden, and not putting two and two together that there potentially might be other EastEnders <laughs> classic there. You know? And I get there and bloody uh, Bianca's there, Phil's there. And I was, ta- I was honestly taken aback. I was like, and I've, I've met, like, I don't really get like starstruck. I'm not really kind of like one to get kind of overwhelmed in situations like that. But I was fucking overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, you know, what to say to people. And I was just, honestly, it was the most like, it was the most, in my opinion, for me, it was like the most star-studded building I'd been in. I was like, oh, my God, and there's, you know, and, uh, there's one of the Slayers, and, you know, and loads of, there was loads of other people in the room at the same time. I remember Adele was there because he's friends with Adele, and there was loads of other people there, but it was the EastEnders actors that grabbed my attention. See, the, the, inner, the inner dickhead in me like, would not be able to sit in that room and not have the EastEnders like dum 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 right on my phone just in case somebody started fighting or so, or somebody <laughs> dropped something and you just be like you got slapped in the face and the, yeah you know. oh I can't, I can't listen to you anymore Craig <laughs> I don't even know if there's a Craig it's a shit birthday party Tony yeah I was just I was hoping someone would come up to me and go do you know what we're actually looking for an Irish, the distant relative, distant cousin of the Mitchell brothers. I would have been like, bloody hell, I've been looking to give up music for a long while. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I DJed at the the launch, or the, sorry, the rap party of Killin' Eve for the first season. Um, and I didn't know, like, I didn't know what Killin' Eve was. I didn't know who Judy Comer was. I didn't know who any of the actors were. Um, but I got, I was coming back from a, a gig in Madrid and I got really bad food poisoning. So I turned up at the gig um, with like incredibly bad food poisoning. I'd been puking the whole way home from Madrid. Oof. And I'd phoned my friend, Roy, to come help help me DJ. And like Jodie Comer, you know like how absolutely drop dead gorgeous she is. Like like walk past it and like I was like trying to hold it together. And they were having this big speech and I had like legged the, the toilet and you could audibly hear me just retching and, <laughs> and I was and like, was food poisoning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The like hollow and oats playing behind you. Like I can't go for that. Anyway, <laughs> that's the atmosphere. That's the atmosphere. Yeah. Um what was what was the other one? Uh the other one was um the other one was I did Glastonbury a couple of years ago. And um, and I ended up staying an extra day. And on my stage the day after was um, uh, Public Enemy, Bobby Womack, and wow. Damon Albarn. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And no, it was late in the evening. So you, you can imagine what kind of state you potentially might be in the day after you've done a show at Glastonbury. And I stayed, it was late in the evening. Yeah. So yeah. I probably wasn't in a fit mindset to be going in and talking to people who I appreciate. <laughs> you know, they have. <laughs> we understand. So I went in and I, I um, and I, I got I struck up a conversation with Chuck D, and he was honestly and this was me talk again. I was making a bit of sense, but I was probably waffling on. And he was the loveliest, kindest. We were getting into politics, we were getting into music, we were getting into like I don't know political references in my music. He was he gave me his email address, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful for the state that I potentially could have looked sure. like I was in. He handled it tremendously. You know what I mean, 
we both have Chuck D's email address and I've never used it. I met him in Belfast once. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. it's a similar, similar. I'm thinking all these Irish lads are always fucked every yeah. time they come. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very friendly. And maybe it's not his real email address at all. Maybe that's just the one he gives out to like, oh, this is another yeah. Drunk Irish man at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's let's move on to uh, our our next one. Oh, money, baby. How relaxed do you feel right now? You're in a crisp garden with lovely plants. It is the Dalai Lama releasing an album. On his 85th birthday. Wow. Fair play, Mr. Lama. Do you think he gets his post as Mr. Lama? I would hope so. I would hope so. But, like, yeah, releasing his first album at 85. Apparently the woman who um, brought it to... Was that that a bit of the album there? a bit of it, yeah. Okay. Oh, money, baby. Oh, money, baby. (laughs) Imagine imagine I got this whole thing tore down because of ripping off the Dalai Lama. I'd be like, (laughs) it's not really in the Dalai Lama's spirit to, like, you know... You haven't cleared PRS. We're going to strip the whole show here. So he, yes, the Dalai Lama is releasing an album on his 85th birthday, um, which begs the question, what is the oddest album you have ever owned or have ever listened to? John, I'll, I'll let you tear away at this one. So I was thinking about this one for a bit and I was like, in terms of, I'm not much for like collecting weird odds and ends uh, anyway. So I was thinking I'll probably have to go back to the first singles and first albums I ever had. So the first albums I ever had, I think I was about six years old. And for Christmas, I got Jason Donovan's album and Kylie Minogue's album, both on separate cassettes. And Did you make I them kiss? Them. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> So yeah, I, they had the lyrics in the sleeves in the cassette and everything like that. So I knew all the lyrics to to both of their albums. So I mean, yeah, that set me on my path. And then in terms of singles, was <laughs> it's a few years later. Um, Shaggy O Carolina and uh, Informer by Snow, which is yeah legendary record. So yeah, I think considering yeah that those were the first sort of influences in music I've had. It's kind of amazing that I'm here right now. But yeah, that's just how it worked out. I think like uh, like your brain is uh, such a a sponge, and you're st- still trying to like figure out what it is you like. That your music. I'm still is- trying to figure out what Snow Informer is all about. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I just know, I just know it goes off wherever it is you play yeah. it. Um, but like I think like, it is very much like learning to walk, trying to find your own taste in 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 music. Like you're gonna fall, well, yeah. you're gonna fall down a couple of times. I definitely had. I was into like ministry of sound compilations and venga boys and venga boys yeah blur and and lots of like dance songs whatever like they were playing at the teenage disco and stuff was kind of like it you know the irish everyone's got a bit of a techno fan in them you know (laughs) up 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 and away all you have to do is pitch up the vocals and you'll get an irish crowd going put a bit of a portrait (laughs) yeah Teenage teenage discos back in Ireland. I'm not sure, John, if they're the same with you. You can tell me. They would play just banging dance records like Toka's Miracle and uh, Better Off Alone and ATV yeah. oh, Till yeah, yeah, yeah. I Come yeah, and stuff like that. So, like, effectively, when you were 11, you were raving like you probably mm. would be at like yeah. 19. Yeah, and and yeah. like, big shout out to DJ Gary who had like really inappropriate porn cards that he was like would 
have when, when, when we were playing and like all the boys would go and steal the cards while he was DJing. It was really fucking off color. Like. Um, so that that definitely is a, a, a strange mix of um, of tracks. Um, Mav, what about you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I had like a kind of serious, not a serious one, but one that I bought recently and one that I remember getting when I was a kid. And I remember getting bloody, which is hilarious for a young kid growing up in bloody Wexford. I got um, Ant and Deck, We're On The Ball on single. <laughs> on album. But I remember being like, this is a bang. We're on the ball. We're on the ball. Yeah, which is, which is mad. Yeah, which I probably won't admit back home, but we'll admit here. Yeah? This, is the, this is the second, and, uh, second time in three episodes that Ant and Deck has come up and it's not been let's get ready to rumble which blows my mind why is that is that song come up before not that song but like something else off the album has it it's clear that in, uh, ant and deck have left an indelible em- impact on the 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 culture of music in the uk <laughs> and yeah, the original original influencers yeah yeah, yeah that's true um and another one was this and it's just a mad bloody like kind of punk record but um, it was the only thing until recently, funny enough, actually Loki had him featured on a record. And then I found out Manic Street Preachers actually used a quote of his at the start of a record as well. But it's a, a band called Bad Religion and it features Noam Chomsky. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's yeah, great. yeah. It's a mad yeah. record, but it's just, it's the, it's the only thing in my collection that I, yeah, I'd, I'd never really, I'd had no clue who the band were. And it was just a kind of the most random thing I had in my collection. <laughs> I've heard of Bad Religion and I've heard of Noam Chomsky, but I've never heard of them together. Please. It's very please. much like that fashion sketch, is it? You like peas? You like cheese? <laughs> Cheesy peas. <laughs> um, that's, that's some seriously good albums. I think like the Dalai Lama is still playing in the background. No, it's not. Can I get away with playing the Dalai Lama on Radio 1 if I do the Chilla show? Well, if it's the Chilla show. It's the bloody Dalai Lama, so yeah. I hope you would. See, wouldn't it be great to get him on for an interview? I don't know what yeah, you're this podcast. Get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, I'll 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 think about that another day. We're in the middle of this like a press. Yeah, screw you guys. I'm talking about <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. the Dalai Lama. Hold on, Dalai. Uh, yeah, yeah. Any chance you could jump on here and save this? Um, yeah. We've got the got, got our unpopular opinion, which I actually just have added this week and realized I don't have a, a, a musical sting for. So maybe I'll just play the Oasis. You're a piece again. of garbage. A real shitty piece of garbage. All right, well, I don't know what that was, but like that, that'll, that, that'll do. Um, the unpopular opinion. What is what is your musical unpopular opinion that maybe grates against the grain? Mm, I don't know. Uh, for me, it kind of went through a couple of things. Like, um, I don't know. The one I the one I stood on was I wasn't really a big fan of Kent. I wasn't not a fan of him, but I never clicked with him. I never like understood him with who Kendrick Lamar Kend- until to pimp, to, to pimp a butterfly and people were telling me for years oh why are you not listening to him it was a section 80 and then um good kid good kid bad city right yeah oh, good kid mad city mm-hmm. um and I just never clicked with them two records for ages for ages and the fact that everyone was like you've got to listen to him that turned me off even more that that yeah. does happen but when I heard to pimp a butterfly I went back on my words and I was like yeah I get it I understand it now you know but for years, I would argue with people, and I would stand my ground based on nothing other than me on the ego. No, no, no. Pretending I'd even listen to the record. No, I've listened to all of them now, and I just yeah. haven't clicked. 
you're one yeah. of those people that like, will argue to your blue in the face that like the Beatles are crap band. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> just, yeah, just yeah, for yeah. the sake of it. <laughs> that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think mine would be like, I just don't get the national. And, and like, okay. I, it's not that I dislike them at all. It's just like I have a lot of friends who seem to really, really love them and they keep telling me how much I would love them if I got into it. And I've listened to it. I've tried it and I just can't. I can't. <laughs> That's definitely a band where a lot of people will tell you uh, or go at you for for not liking them or, or trying to enforce their their love for them on you. And yeah, they, yeah like you say, that can really put you off, can't it? it I do really like, I like the national, but yeah, like, I get that. There's um, a strange, like, there's a strange purity with some people, like, with the music that they love. And that you have to like it. If you don't like it, you don't like music or you don't understand music. It's strange. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, people's tastes are black and white, but when you sort of mix them with other people's subjectivity, <laughs> it, can, it, can, it can brew up a nice wee fight, I reckon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, what's your unpopular opinion? I had to think about this for a minute because, I mean, like Mav, I've had even Kendrick Lamar himself, in fact, when I first heard To Pimp a Butterfly, I just didn't understand it. And it's only um, going and listening to, to Damn and then going back and doing all his records, fortunately, on video. So I'm lucky that, that, that they're out there on YouTube um, and really reappreciating what I was listening to and also getting a, a better understanding of hip hop in general. Um, I just think I was coming to it with uneducated ears at the time. But uh, what I wrote down for this one is actually is something I've been thinking about for, for the last year or so, is that Oasis would actually be nothing without Liam Gallagher. Obviously, Noel wrote all the songs and, you know, it, they obviously wouldn't be anything without Noel. But I think if it had just been Noel on his own writing that music, they would have never have got anywhere. And as much as I don't mind Noel's music since, um, I don't really think it's on any sort of level. And the second Liam has a moment with his new bands, which even sort of, glimpses of old school first two albums oasis it still charges those memories of me being a teenager and this kind of like era life-defining music so um yeah i know he's a nightmare from what i can understand and and was probably extremely difficult to work with uh, and whatever but yeah he is he's he doesn't get the credit he deserves i think yeah i 100 percent agree with that because like like if you look at it now no, Noel's singing style is more pipe and slippers, whereas Liam's is punk rock. Like, it's yeah. proper punk rock. You couldn't sing... Noel couldn't sing Cigarettes and Alcohol or anything off that first album the way that Liam does. Nah, and that was that was what brought the message in the music and the feeling of it to the forefront because he is the ultimate frontman in that sense. Out of that, you know what I mean? Out of the two of them. Obviously, the combination is the balance because you yeah. did the, the songs and Noel's great songwriter. <laughs> but yeah, I went to see Liam at um, Ali Pali about two years ago and it felt, I remember seeing Oasis' last gig in uh, in Ireland. I think it was in Marley Park or in Dublin. It was the last one in Dublin anyway. Um, I was about maybe 18, 19. And seeing Liam at Ali Pali, to me, felt like an Oasis gig. Mm. That was mm. the power in it, you know what I mean? Which... I've seen Noel and it doesn't translate in the same way, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I went to see Liam Gallagher um, at Finsbury Park and um, there was a fella standing watching it who was probably about 6'6", about 25 stone. He was completely and utterly buck naked with a bottle of wine and a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) And he wasn't even buck naked, like going, look at me, I'm naked. He was sitting watching the band just like that, like a baby. 
Um, and my missus went up to get a photo taken with. <laughs> it's fucking one of the best photos I've ever seen in my life. He's uh, a man who sounds like he's enjoying. He himself. is. He's he, just he like knows full well, well what he's doing. But yeah. I was wondering how, like, where did he got the cigarette from and how he lit it because he didn't have any pockets. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, final question. Little uh, midi from Drake. Whereas the Dalai Lama, I would assume, wouldn't um, sue us for using his music. Drake probably would. He probably uh, will, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the question is, is Drake actually any good? It's a, it's a deep, deep question. <laughs> and um, his, but, like, he's popular and he's mainstream. And, of course, he's one of the biggest artists to have emerged in the last, like, 10 years. Mm. But is he actually any good? good is the question john do you want to start with this one yeah i mean it's quite an easy answer for me to be honest and it's definitely a yes with a caveat which i'll go into in a minute but i mean going back and listening to take care or nothing was the same i don't think there's any questioning his pen i think he he's capable of creating little couplets and bars that managed to stand the test of time for years and people you know I call it Instagram caption rap on my videos because people will just use and he definitely writes for this reason he definitely writes uh, you know he'll he'll shoot his shot on funny little lines or clever little lines that will have people writing them on social media and he misses some of the time but when he hits he manages to to make you feel like you're part of his entourage which is a really amazing thing because you're quite clearly not or nor would ever be where well, i certainly wouldn't ever be part of his entourage but um, he manages to make you feel like you're along for the ride with him but also in the way that he he's not the first rapper but he's probably you know post kanye the certainly the biggest rapper to be a bit more open about his feelings and um a bit more vulnerable and you can question whether or not there's some uh you know like uh, disingenuity in that but at the same time like he certainly with a Marvin's room or something like that has opened himself up to be not necessarily just your typical braggadocious hip-hop star MC uh, and with that with some of the lines they do speak to people and like even in some of his new music like Chicago Freestyle uh, and when say when recently there'll be bars in there and you're like there's not many people out there that can put that together especially operating at the level he's operating at constantly the pressure of having to be number one guy now on the flip side of that he's a bit weird when he talks about women he seems obsessed with like girls that he saw once and they can't ever have boyfriends or get married so that's a little bit troubling um he got absolutely bodied by Pusha T and it doesn't seem to have really recovered from that and still tries to take subliminals at him and you don't, I don't you don't want any part of that I don't think Drake just just walk away that's that that's that's nobody's that's no, not a fight to get nobody's into. beaten Pusha T no. nobody's beaten Pusha yeah. T yeah. And, and, you know, and as much as I like the guy, he will, and a lot of his music, he'll go and do something cynical like a Tusi slide, which was designed for TikTok. And yes, some people might say, okay, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's actually a street song. The song it's is about, fucking shit. I'm yeah, sorry. It's about, you know, what a piece <laughs> so of crap. And, like, and I'm like, mate, you, you, you weren't spinning around blocks going and like shooting ops. Like you just weren't. No, and, and there's nothing, there's nothing redeemable. Not there's nothing redeemable about that track. It is the hokey cokey for it is like put your left foot in left foot out like, yeah it is. I, could, I could not believe it when i first said it. i heard it was a tiktok track but yeah when i first saw that i was he's like smart. oh my god like yeah i'll give him that he's definitely smart with like he's made a lot of money from it but yeah. um yeah okay very very good answer maverick what about you 
Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, I think you can't knock Drake's legacy from the first time I ever heard him up to very recently. You know, he's kept himself relevant. He has, yeah, I feel like subject matter has been quite balanced, especially emotionally as time's gone on. And he's, you know, whether you like him or not, he's he's created hits that have, have lasted from every mm. moment you can imagine for the last, you know, uh, 10 or however long years he's been out. Um, I'm not sure if he's created a classic album. He doesn't hit me in the way a Nas or a Tupac would, but I don't think that's his role. You know what I mean? Um, And uh, yeah, I think, you know, I I wouldn't say I'm the biggest Drake fan, but he's someone that always grabs me back in at some point. Um, And just speaking solely on what he's done for the UK music scene, I massively commend that, you know, Mm. there's been artists from outside the UK coming over and maybe using certain UK artists for years and not giving them, you know, not giving them a proper leg in. And I think even though it was probably hand in hand a bit to his own benefit, because I feel like he's influenced by loads of different styles and he's Drake. So he's got the, the influence and power to be able to go take a bit of the style and benefit himself as well as other people. Mm. But he actually did, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, have made a brand new career for themselves of the the support and kind of alliance with him. So I've got to commend him on that. Yeah, he did did big things for Bryson Tiller, did big things for Dave, like he did big things for for Gates, like in the, in the US. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. He is the equivalent of your friend, like you know, your clicky group that you had when you were a kid, and your one of your friends was whose American cousin would come over and stay every other summer for about like two weeks and right, they'd, they'd right, have like right. really nice clothes on and like you know and they'd smell different and they'd be a little, <laughs> they'd be a little bit taller <laughs> and stuff that's and like, slowly and all like oh, yeah like then you wouldn't see him for ages yeah. that story like, about I think, I, th- I think the thing with him on the, the the kind of gang stuff I think he's way beyond that but and he uses that element to like I don't know, keep keep himself and his name in the streets, which, you know, I don't believe what comes out of his mouth when he talks about stuff like that, because I don't but, know if he was ever that. But I just remember so there's that level of truth that I, 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 I is a bit of a gray area with me for him. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think he's he's undoubtedly done great work. I just remember that story of him being spotted in a co-op in Ipswich when with with Georgia. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was in Walsall. Yeah, yeah. In Walsall, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ipswich. I was thinking he was in Ipswich as well, was he? Bloody hell. He's been getting around the country. Next minute he'd be in Holland, Bradford. Right. Time for our. Every time I hit that, I think it's going to say Hero of the Week. (laughs) Uh, Right. Who's who's the Hero of the Week? John. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's not necessarily this week, but um, over the last few weeks, I'm going to give it to uh, The weekend, who's been donating vast amounts of money to, to some very important causes without really making too much of a fuss about it. You sort of see it on his Instagram story and obviously the media picks it up, but there's no big grand gestures. It doesn't feel like PR stunts. Uh, $500,000 to, to Black Lives Matter causes um, a couple of weeks ago, pretty much straight away after everything happened. And then just recently, a million dollars to COVID-19 relief. Um, obviously, he's a very well-off guy, massive, massive superstar. But uh, I mean, that's still vast amounts of money to just uh, give away like that without, like I say, it doesn't feel like PR moves. They're not, you know, they're, they're public and he tells people about them. 
but yeah there's no there's no big video behind it or documentary or anything like that so I think you know in a time where a lot of people are doing a lot of good things at the moment for for one of the biggest artists if not the biggest artists in sort of the western world at the moment arguably to to really put you know his hand in his pocket and put his uh, mouth where his money is or money where his mouth is or whatever um I think it's pretty commendable yeah and like I say it wasn't this week necessarily but yeah just over the last few weeks and you didn't have to do that so um yeah respect to him for that big respect to the weekend Maverick who's your uh, hero of the week um, a bit of a different one, but it's uh, Mike Skinner. Um, and I picked Mike Skinner, one, because I'm so happy that he's back releasing anything. I just like to hear his voice on stuff again. And I heard this tune recently he put out, I think maybe about a week ago, called Difficult Times. And I quite liked it, you know. Um, but also mainly because he's been doing work with loads of like, new acts. I saw him put Green Tea Peng on. He's been, he's, uh, he's been working with a lot of young MCs from, from the Midlands and, um, and up north and um, I see he's been like you know hosting some documentaries interviewing a lot of the young drill artists and he just feels like he's doing a lot of work with young artists which I think yeah. is a beautiful thing which is normally you don't really see artists make their money they continue touring he doesn't need to do that you know so um, yeah and I heard the new Green Tea Green Tea and uh, the Nail tune and I don't know I just felt like he feels like he's still com- connecting hubs together Um and I've always been a Mike Skinner fan, so just to even even see him do that still is a these he's a hero these book. are two very 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 solid answers, and I agree with both. Do you know for for this week I'm going to take the villain because like, there's such a good positivity floating around the the um show this week. I'm going to take I'm not going to bother with the villains of the week. The villains of the week can get in the fucking bin for all I care. <laughs> let's let's um let's move on to to music suggestions. I fucking love this band. They are the best band ever, period. <laughs> so last week I, I said that you should everybody should go listen to a, um, a, a new act called Park Hai Jin. And I was like all excited about it. I was going to play it on the radio for the first time on, on um, Sunday. I've been kind of shielding it away from people. And then I, re- I got turned the radio on literally half an hour before this. And Lauren Laverne was playing it in Six Music. And I was like, fuck, I've missed my exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, who's, who's mine? I haven't actually prepared one this week. I'm going to go for an artist called Kieran Lavery. Who's got a, an album out called Please Stay Baby? Um, and it's all like, there's no vials in it, so you know it's cool. Um, but it's a really raw, very meta album. It kind of breaks down the fourth wall of what it's like to be a songwriter. And it's just fucking great. And yeah, Kieran Lavery and Please Stay Baby. Um, John, what, what about you? Who are you recommending? Um, so there's a few, but I'll just go for a guy called uh, Kemba, Kemba from the Bronx. He's um, obviously a New York rapper. And he's just put out an EP, um, four-track EP called The World Is Watching, which is, uh, he's kind of an understated lyrical rapper. And um, it's like a really powerful um, sort of protest record uh, EP, just about everything that's going on at the moment. A lot more understated than, than some of the music that's been put out there recently. But he's a guy that is a little shy. I've spoken to him a bit and he's actually quite shy for a rapper, um, unusually so. But he has, yeah, he has a great pen, a lot of influences. There's times where he sounds like Kendrick Lamar, but he's also jumping onto different styles. He's done some stuff on trap beats. He even uh, tried his hand at um, a drill track not long ago. And um, yeah, he, always, he put out an album last year, which went under the radar called Gilda, which is all about his, um, it's basically a love letter to his mother who just passed away. And it's really heartfelt and beautiful. But at the same time, yeah, he can just switch lanes and just put out a banger. 
uh, and seems to be able to jump effortlessly on different styles of beats, which are in hip hop at the moment. And he's one of those guys you hear and you go, oh, this guy should be, he's never going to be like super mainstream because he just doesn't have that personality. But he should be at a level that is more similar to like a Griselda type level where a lot of people are really, really fucking with his stuff. And I don't think he's quite got himself to that to that level yet. I don't know if his, um, his label's not pushing him in the right way, but I'd highly recommend The World Is Watching, just four track EP from him and then maybe go and discover his other stuff's very good. Spell spell that out for, for me. Oh, Kemba, K-E-M-B-A. So just as it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the number one. <laughs> um, that sounds great. I'm checking that out. Maverick, what do you, what do you say? Um, this is a guy who I've properly connected with over the last week um, out with Swindle. And it's a singer. You might have heard of him before. Uh, definitely, you know, has got much more um, and, a, and even more of a beautiful career to offer. Um, is Joel Culpepper. Oh yeah, I've been playing one of his tracks on the radio. Like he's really good, yeah. And Joel, he's he's a lovely guy. His voice is fantastic, and I got I got a sneak preview of his new album, which is coming out soon, and it feels like new Curtis Mayfield. It's just yeah, I was blown away by it. Wow. Um, so yeah, definitely check him out if you're into powerful, strong voices with um, character and message and soul and feeling in it. Um, yeah, he's he's one of the kind of the more exciting voices that I've heard in the last little while. Um, yeah, it's all cold pepper. Wow, guys, that I, I love those tips. Um, I'm gonna go listen to more Joel Culpepper now. I'm gonna check out Kemba. Um, guys, thank you so much for um coming on and um giving me an hour of your time and for being this week's slacker friends. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com the secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW.